Hello and welcome to this episode of the Star Wars Universe podcast. Today we have a special episode. We're going we're going back to our movie reviews and we're talking about The Last Jedi. And we are crossing the streams. We have <laughs> Ashley Coffin who's joined me for a lot of episodes about the Star Wars movies as well as a number of ethics episodes, as well as Riki and Sarah Hayashi who have been joining me for all of our discussions about the Clone Wars. So I'm really excited to hear what all of us have to say. All that will be after a commercial break. We have no control over. All right, welcome back. My name is Matthew, your host. I'm joined by Ashley, Sarah, and Riki. Um, each of you wanted to say hello and introduce yourself and just give your first impression of, like, what's your what's your first thought about this movie? Um, Hi, I'm Ashley. I like Star Wars. I'm a dirty cash, and uh, it was just fine. <laughs> Sound good. Sarah? Uh, I'm Sarah. Um, <laughs> I also like Star Wars. I... I- I'm a big fan of the movies, and it sort of dabbled in some of the peripheral stuff, but not that much. I I liked The Last Jedi. Um, I think I liked it maybe... I definitely liked it better than Rise of Skywalker by a long shot. And, like, yeah, it's probably my my number two favorite movie of the recent releases. Nice. Nice. Well done. Hi, I am Riki. I love Star Wars. Probably my favorite franchise of all entertainment. Can we show off your tattoo? Yeah, sure. Show me. <laughs> the split screen thing is going to like... That's awesome. Oh. I, I, I also have a uh, Star Wars Rebel tattoo. Oh, nice. Uh, and specifically this movie, I I loved it when it came out. And every time I watch it again, I gain an even deeper appreciation for it. And at this point... I'm pretty comfortable saying that it is my favorite Star Wars movie. Nice. Wow. Nice. Of That's all awesome. of them? Yeah. No way. That's awesome. That's awesome. I'm, it's it's better than Attack of the Clones. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't realize. <laughs> all right. And also, just a quick it. note for those who are listening at home. Uh, we're, we're doing this episode... We're, we're doing this episode live on Twitch. So from time to time, we'll be reading comments from people in the chat. So just for those who are listening later, that's what's going on. And for the people who are listening in the chat, as we go on, if you have comments, questions, please throw them out. Uh, we'll try to get to them when we can, but we'll certainly also um, get get into a lot of them at the end. And I think for me, I'm Matthew, as I said. And let, let's kind of dive in more to our thoughts on this movie, because I think I think I am somewhere partially in between you all. I, Riki, I'm very close to where you are. I, In many ways, Star Wars is also my favorite franchise. And I feel like this movie captures the essence of some of the general themes that I love so much about these movies. Uh, what it says about the Jedi and the idea of a religion that failed, what it says about, you know, failure, what it says about mythology and legend, what it does, I know, controversial opinion, what it does with the character of Luke. There's so much that is just like, when I think of what Star Wars teaches me and what Star Wars means, I think of this movie. But I was watching it again last night and just re- like, just like, I feel like the execution of some parts are just not what I would have wanted. You know, they feel like, it feels like they are telling such great themes, but that sometimes they stumble a little bit in the way scenes are done or things feel a little bit too heavy-handed. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah. I get what yeah. you're saying. I definitely, like, I, I love Old Man Luke. I think I love what they did with this character. Yeah. He's so crotchety. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I also really liked that Poe and his cockiness just make things worse. 
And if he yeah. would have just like done what he was told, things would have been better. Um, but then there's also so many moments that are just kind of like, huh? Like that's not how that works. So yeah, I don't know. So for me, growing up in high school, we learned about the hero's journey. Right? Are you are you all familiar with that? And Star Wars, the original, A New Hope, was presented as a hero's journey for Luke. And it fits that archetype of like a very old, like mythological, like Greek mythology type story. And that really resonated, obviously, like getting to talk about Star Wars in you know, high school English class was great. <laughs> and then, we did not do that in my class. And, and watching, watching this movie has a completely different take on what heroes are or should be. And it's to the point where I don't, I don't feel comfortable calling people heroes because it's really like deconstructing heroes and Poe Dameron specifically, the way that he goes through his journey in this movie, I call it the leader's journey mm. where he yeah. starts off as this cocky pilot who just kind of wants to show off and blow things up. And over the course of the movie, through his interactions with uh, Leia, he learns how to be a leader to this budding rebellion. And by the end of it, she hands, you know, she hands the reins of leadership over to him. Literally. I mean, not literally, but, but she says, why are you looking at me? Follow him and, yeah. and points to him. And then everyone follows him. Yeah. I definitely picked up on that watching this again. I, I, um, just the, the juxtaposition of her saying at the beginning, that very powerful line where he says, you know, there were heroes in that battle. And she says, dead oh, yeah. heroes, no leaders. And that is just yeah, exactly. such a perfect juxtaposition with the line you're talking about there. I hadn't even thought about it in terms of how much she's passing that mantle on. So that's definitely a powerful moment. I think my biggest question with um, what happens with all that is why didn't Laura Dern just tell her her plan because why would she he's just yeah. some cocky pilot like she's the the leader of this operation he has absolutely no reason to know this plan like this is a very yeah. precarious plan sorry this is like no 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 I, I, want for me to know. I want to know i want to know i'm just like because that's the, i have like that is like one of the only things i was like well just like if he's causing some problems and leia trusted him why don't I just pull him aside and be like listen asshole <laughs> We got it online. This, uh, yeah. I don't understand I the big that's, secrecy. That's how we've been conditioned by other movies. That the the flyboy hero, you know, Poe Poe's character should always be in the mix, should always have a say in it. And right. this added like a, a level of realism where she says, Hey, didn't you just get demoted? Like, yeah. Like, why <laughs> didn't you why just should get I tell you anything? For like going against orders. Yeah, and like you're in here trying to like she uh, he told Laura Dern, like, hey, here's some really obvious information. Just like, she's like, oh, thanks. Thanks for that. I didn't know that. Right. Like, he's just he's just being yeah. super cocky. Yeah, he does. He does a lot of butting in and telling people like very obvious things. Like when the transports are escaping from the cruiser and they're discovered by the First Order and the First Order ship starts taking out the transports. Poe like runs up to the cockpit of the transport he's in and he says, faster, go faster. And I was just like, do you think they were like going at the slow speed? Uh, CJ Hunt points out in the chat that he actually did, you know, by talking it pretty, by talk, by telling everyone uh, her plan pretty freely when he's talking to Finn, that's how DJ finds out. Yeah. We actually do have a a sign. And I, it's funny because I've wrestled with this a lot because I do think that if, um, 
Admiral Hodo had had said something to reassure him that everything obviously is different. But I think one of the themes that I, I don't think I'd pick up in this movie until I watch it this time is trust. Like so much of this movie is about who do we trust and who do we not trust? You know, Luke doesn't trust Ray. He doesn't trust himself. Holdo doesn't trust Poe. Or I'm sorry, even more important, Poe doesn't trust Holdo. Right. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've heard a lot of military folks chime in on this question with the idea of that part of how it's supposed to work is you trust your commander. And if your commander tells you, here's what our plan is, you assume that they know something that you don't, that they have some information there. And then obviously that can get problematic. But it's one of the things I think I like so much is the way that they flip that. Because I'm curious how you all felt. The first time I watched this movie, the whole time I thought for sure Poe and Finn are the heroes and Holdo was an idiot. Because like the movie was using every trope that I've seen a million times before in which Holdo is always the idiot and our heroes. I mean, think of like even in, in Star Wars movies. Everyone tells Han, don't go out after Luke. You know, we order you not to do that. And he's like, I'll see you in hell. I'm going to go rescue my friend. Uh, Captain America, you know, screw you. I'm going to go rescue my friends. Like, that's the trope we get. Did, did you all kind of have the sense that Poe was wrong from the beginning? Or did you also have that moment of like, oh, this is not the movie I thought it was? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think he was wrong from the beginning. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, I think when I was watching it, I didn't have that reaction. Yeah, I, I, I agree with Ashley. Like, I thought he was wrong. Especially, like, there's a moment where, um, like, Rose and Finn come to Poe with the plan of, like, we got to get this code breaker. We can take, we can take their mm-hmm. tracking down. Um, and 3PO's like, this sounds like something you should tell. Hold on. Holden? Holdo? Holdo. Holdo. Laura Dern. Laura Dern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the wonderful Laura Dern. Like and Poe's like, no, this is on a need-to-know basis. She doesn't need to know. And it's like... At that point, I was like, nope, this is going to get you killed. This is going to get a bunch of people killed. Because we saw mm-hmm. him disobey orders at the very beginning of the movie and get a bunch of people killed. Yeah. And also, like, when they're announcing, like, Leia's incapacitated, our, our leadership is obviously going to go to, and he does the, like, stand-up oh, yeah. thing. I uh-huh. just was like, this sit ain't down. it, buddy. Like, sit, <laughs> sit down. You've just been demoted. It's clearly not you. Yeah. But I do think, yeah, because movies are presented to us in this way where we kind of expect that if someone comes up with a plan, that the plan will work. Mm. That there, there was that in the back of my mind. That right. They went through all that trouble to go to Canto Bight and get, find a, co- a code breaker <laughs> uh, to get on board the Superstar Destroyer. And then, yeah, like I expected that part of the plan to work. Right. Yeah. I like what it was Vermilion One says. Poe is my least favorite new character. He does nothing and adds almost nothing to the series. <laughs> and like it's so, that's a bit strong. It's I I like <laughs> Poe, but I agree that he does nothing. Right? Like, yeah, he I feel old. like he's what I want, and this is like big and controversial. Is like the Poe Finn relationship that Disney is way too chicken to do. Yeah, I mean, I and pretty I, much saw it and just allowed my. I was like, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> Yeah. You yeah. can take your narrative that way. I know what I saw. Right, because like the relationship <laughs> between Finn and Poe, even if it just stays as like a purely platonic relationship, which I agree in my head it's not. But um it like him sort of acting as this mentor to Finn and their friendship is like really yeah. wholesome, like really nice to watch. Um so I don't want to just like throw Poe out whole whole stuff like throw him out with the bathwater, but 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and I like yeah. I like his leader's journey, as as Riki put it as well. Like at the end when he's like, let's not just jump on our X-Wings and blow things up. It's like, oh, <sighs> you learned a lesson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I feel like he is very important to the story for exactly that reason. I think he's also very pretty to look at. And that's a certainly other thing he adds to the cast for those who are so inclined <laughs> to that direction. But also, but I also would agree, and I, it is one of my biggest frustrations about this movie in a way where I'm like, they do something wonderful that I now understand is for not great reasons. Because I do think that the Finn-Rose relationship is one of the best parts of this movie. Mm. Knowing, though, that part of why they did that is because originally there had been a lot of thought about Finn-Ray as a relationship, and that they wanted to shy away from that. And that they also wanted to give Finn something to do because they were saying... they. Originally, we're kind of thinking maybe Finn would also be a Force user, and then they were going to back away from that. And so it makes me like, okay, you created this great thing for a terrible reason. And I am, you know, it, and especially knowing what they then do with both Finn and Rose's character in the third movie. Like, yeah, I was I like, what relationship? Something... <laughs> yeah, I, I never want some later. Th- <clears throat> yeah, so it's one of those like I have such mixed feelings about their relationship. Let, let's let's uh, let's go back to some of the main themes though, because I think we started getting into it. Let's talk about how failure is a theme through this movie. Um, certainly more than any other Star Wars movie, and I think more than most, honestly, action movies I've seen, like, all of our heroes fail in almost every big way. Like, there's some successes at the end, but it's really a meditation on failure. What was kind of your take on that, on the way that theory, that um, topic is presented? I just know I one of my notes I wrote, the fact that Yoda can still say something like failure is the greatest teacher and still shock the shit out of Skywalker is saying something about him as a teacher. <laughs> he was like, <sighs> I was like, come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Vermilion one in the, in the chat again is talking about how the biggest themes about this is trying something and failing and that being like a part of life. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, yeah, I, I agree. It is sort of this persistence, but then I think it's also this idea of knowing, not necessarily when to give in to failure, but like knowing when you're wrong and when to try something right. else or like call it quits, basically. I mean, one thing I'm really struck by is how often people fail in part because they're so terrified of failing, mm. you know, and because kind of what Yoda's saying, like, and, and to me, and this is only kind of hinted at, but for me, it really comes across very strong. You know, part of why Luke is so concerned is the one mentor who he's the one example he's had of someone teaching him how to be a Jedi. Well, at least one of two is Obi-Wan, <laughs> who says from the very beginning that Obi-Wan's failure in his attempt to teach Anakin is why Darth Vader happened. And I, I feel like that has to be such a big part of what is in Luke's mind going in and why he is so afraid of failure. And that, that leads him to this terrible moment with Kylo because he's just you know, there's no good answer. You know, it's what do you do when you see a, like, should Obi-Wan have killed Anakin when he saw him going on the route? I mean, obviously we know now that they were, that was going to be a very difficult thing to do. But like, to me, it's just such an interesting sort of counterpoint to this whole conversation of Luke knowing, you know, the failure to be a good Jedi teacher is what led to Darth Vader. And so if he can't do it, maybe he should not do it at all. Yeah, but I think then in that, right, like he knows that this is, what's led to that failure but because of that knowledge it it causes him to like draw his saber not on kylo but like have that moment that he talks about the moment of weakness and then kylo sees that and that's ultimately what pushes kylo to the dark side um like it seems like snoke seemingly already had like his paws on him but it felt like that moment right that moment of luke thinking like 
okay, I know that that failure is this thing. And like you said, being afraid of failure and like, I just need to end this now. I know that I just need to end this now. Is that ultimately what was like the final straw? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very tough though. Like in, in this universe that if you are a Jedi master and you <laughs> fail, that's like a galaxy wide catastrophe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Darth Vader, Kylo Ren scale. You know, yeah. why can't you just fail and have a student just like flunk out of your Jedi school and go home? It's high stakes. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, I, I think that's part of um, Luke's point is that that's part of why he's like, maybe we just shouldn't do this at all. You know, because if the stakes are so if the stakes of failure are so high, is it better just to not do it at all? Yeah. Or even just like, I think his critique of the Jedi as a religion, like how he points out to Ray, like the force is everywhere. It's not something that the Jedi own. It's not something that's going to go away if the Jedi go away. And so this notion of the Jedi putting such high stakes on things, right? Like you can't just flunk out of Jedi Academy and go home because like we kidnapped you when you were babies. Um, So it's like, (laughs) there's no... We'll throw you out when you're 17. (laughs) Exactly, right? <laughs> like it's it's not like you can be like, actually guys, this isn't for me later. Right? It's like, no, no, you're being indoctrinated into this. That's what right. was decided. And when a Jedi does decide to leave, they become Count Dooku. Yeah. Like, we don't right? have a great example of people being like, Yeah, peace out. I'll go do my own yeah. thing. Didn't Ahsoka do that? <laughs> she does, but Luke doesn't know that story. Or Which is does why, he? Well, it's why the single moment I most want out of some of the future Star Wars is is the moment when Ahsoka learns that Anakin turned and like meets Luke and yeah, I need that moment. That's a whole other conversation. <laughs> Sorry. Um, the part about religion, though, that that let's kind of jump to that because I'll admit that is that is I think the theme that I love most about this, and I'll I'll state my bias. I'm a former religious professional. I used to be a pastor. I'm very interested in organized religion. And I tend to think that that what he says about the Jedi makes complete sense and is a searing critique on what happens in organized religion all the time, you know, of where the people who are the religious authorities start to think that instead of them being the ones who point to the divine thing, that they are the divine thing, mm-hmm. you know, and that like so many religious leaders in history have come along to say like, you know, Jesus, Mohammed, like all these different like stories we have are about people being like, you're missing out on this. And I think, and I'm, Ricky and Sarah especially, I'd love to hear from you on this, but Ashley as well. For me, what Luke says about the Jedi sort of makes me feel like everything in the Clone Wars is really now absolutely canon. Like, remembered canon. Because it feels like what he's talking about, of how the Jedi let Palpatine happen, and they became so arrogant. Like, the movies hint at it, but the Clone Wars really tell that story. Yeah, I think watching the last the last Jedi. So this is my first time rewatching it after having seen the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. um, and there were a lot of things that I picked up on, partially because we're like going so deep into the Clone Wars and like dissecting it every week. Um, but yeah, there's so much lore there, and like, yeah, the, this idea of the the fall of the Jedi, especially like right now where we're at in the Clone Wars, which is the beginning of season five they're they're really starting to sort of see the cracks in the system as these jedi as religious leaders stroke peace creepers stroke politicians um and that they're becoming this like too too big of an entity and like much more than what they should be Mm -hmm. is it kind of your read reiki 
Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I thought the fact that Luke named Sidious, you know, he said the name Sidious in this movie was very significant, not just in, you know, referencing a past character, but, but really connecting things in the way that you said, Matthew. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I, I think Luke, I don't know how, like, I would have to think more about that, but he, he has like a very good understanding of why the Jedi failed and why Sidious came to power. I guess he's been talking to ghosts, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> certainly possible. Certainly possible. So yeah, and what else do y'all think about this? So, I mean, it seems one of the central questions of this movie then is, should the Jedi continue? Um, and, and Luke, I think, kind of makes a very strong case in one direction. He kind of goes back on it. But obviously, there's, there's, there's a lot of back and forth there. What, what, what's your kind of take on, on where, uh, how you feel about how, how that question is addressed? I feel like Jedi with a whole lot of amendments, like, let them have wives. <laughs> uh, let them, if they want to force lightning and they do it with, you know, good intentions, let them do it. Mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> I, I think that, they're too I strict there are, there are like venn diagrams of of what it means to be a jedi and you know the the small the smaller one i guess the jedi order as it existed during the old republic absolutely should not continue right like that that failed in a i guess predictable way you guys created end. all your biggest villains <laughs> yeah yeah um but the idea of like a bigger circle of Jedi, you know, as people who use the force to positively impact the galaxy, I, I think should. And it's it's a question of how how then do you organize that group and I guess enforce your your rules within that organization? Like is it even an organization? Or is it just right. like a loosely affiliated group of people who know each other and can use the force? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I think a lot of what Luke said about the Force just being this thing that exists and is inherent in everything and it's not going to go away if the Jedi go away can sort of be reversed. Like, I don't think the Jedi are going to go away just because Luke has sequestered himself on this island. Um, right. so there's just, like, too much there. And I've been I've been reading... Uh, it's been coming up on my Facebook timeline with a few friends who are talking about this sort of evangelical atheism um, with this mm-hmm. idea of just, like, supplanting one worldview for kind of the opposite but being just as like vitreous about it i don't know if vitreous is the right word having just as much vitriol about it um and i think like if you do just decide like wholeheartedly abolish the jedi like get rid of them entirely then like something is gonna come up right like either there's gonna be something like the sith to fill that vacuum or you're sort of getting rid of the of like cultural touchstones that people need to sort of bring like balance in the force balance in their life through this sort of sense of ritual and i think you can have the sort of pluralistic ritual elements of jedi as a religion without having yeah like you're saying the strict code of like you can't have wives you can't have yeah. feelings also Here's we're the, senators all the rules yeah. that are going to turn you into a sith yeah. It's yeah, funny, I've been, like trying to force you down this very, very narrow path, right? I've been reading a number. Yeah, I think you want a shared value Oops. value system. I've been reading a number of the uh, books that are now set in the High Republic period, which is supposed to be the heyday of the Jedi. And almost every character in that book is having lust and love and is fighting against the restrictions. <laughs> and it's like, it's very yeah, clear, like, this is not just Anakin. And 
one thing I really got this time I watched the movie, because you're right, it's funny. Uh, I said before, like, there were a lot of things in this watching it again. I was like, oh, that that's kind of a plot hole. That doesn't make sense. But I also picked up on a lot of other things that are really awesome. One of which I hadn't recognized until this time I watched it is Ray is angry for almost this entire movie. Ray is constantly oh, yeah. demonstrating things that a Jedi is not supposed to demonstrate. You know, and Luke especially gets very scared that she wants to go towards the dark side. And it, it, it to me, like her character in this, I think is really an indication of what you're talking about there, of her being, she's not what what um, Obi-Wan or earlier Yoda would have said is what a Jedi should be. But now she is a Jedi. And I, it's again, one of my things where I love it, but I wish they'd gone one step further. Yoda is one of the ones who's telling Luke, like, no, this Rey is what the Jedi should be. <laughs> And I just wish he'd acknowledge, because I was wrong. You know? Like, it's funny that they talk yeah. so much about failure. Yoda has never acknowledged how much he failed in the creation of Anakin. You know? and Or he failed in trying to hold Luke back and stuff like that. But So I just thought that was really interesting, that we're constantly, like, seeing Rey do what a Jedi is not supposed to do. But clearly, she gets the mantle of, she is the Jedi. Luke won't be the last one. Mm-hmm. Well, and even, like, um, someone pointed out in the chat... Again, like Luke's, Luke also became a super powerful Jedi without being like a toddler. It seems like the most powerful Jedi are weren't conscripted yep. as toddlers, yep. right? So this idea of like, well, are you indoctrinating too early? Are you holding them back from the Force? Is that done on purpose? Right? Like Ray, Ray didn't come into the Force until she was like, I don't know what, like early twenties. Um, yeah, like it's and it's very much that religious idea again, you know, of like, mm-hmm. do you you need to make someone religious by like teaching them from birth you know you have to learn this religion or can you like find it yourself you know i mean there's a whole debate in many religions about that like believer baptism or in all the, you know sunday school and all that kind of stuff and I, I just love the way it's brought up here especially because and we'd be careful not to spoil anything but um there is another character who we will meet in a property that um uh Riki sarah and i will be talking about later in the year who is i think one of the best examples of a jedi we ever find who's basically married, like is in a loving romantic relationship. Um, mm-hmm. So I think we're there. There's definitely a lot going on there of them sort of, you know, saying like, Hey, you can be a different kind of Jedi. Yeah. Let him get married. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, cause like this whole, like the idea of feelings lead to attachment leads to frowny face, right? Yeah. Like trying to suppress your feelings leads to anger, leads to fear, leads yeah, to... Yeah, leads to, yeah. like, uh, therapy. I mean, when yeah. like, I don't care about the person who told me to not care about people, but it's my master and I'm supposed to care about them. None of this makes yeah. sense. Mm-hmm. Like, repression of feelings, especially, like, forced celibacy and forced denial of love, I think we have a lot of instances, especially in religious settings, does not work out very well. Yeah. I, I will say, regarding Ray's anger and darkness that you talked about Mm -hmm. in this movie one of the things on this rewatch that kind of disappointed me was the follow-up we get in rise of skywalker you know spoilers for that movie uh ray is palpatine's granddaughter i guess um and having that information and now coming back to this movie and seeing her darkness I think it, it becomes easy to dismiss that as like a genetic thing, like genetic evil. Yeah. And I didn't like feeling that way about her. And I wanted her to be more 
conflicted, you know, just on her own merits. I think there was, yeah, I agree. I think there was something like weird, something nice, I guess, with the idea of like Kylo being um, like Leia's son and he's bad. And like Palpatine is Rey's yeah, grandfather and she's good. So this idea of like flip-flopping lineages, but then also like, well, no, because Kylo is Vader's grandson. So like, eh, they're both evil. But yeah, I just... <laughs> With a heart of I gold totally underneath. <laughs> yeah, yes. Underneath those like magnificent abs. Yeah. You just gotta pull it out. Your heart is not under your abs, but okay. <laughs> but that, I remember when we did the last, um, no, Return of the Jedi um, rewatch, and I haven't seen that movie in so long. I, I remember just getting to the end of it and being like, this is just this movie, almost. They have the elevator scene. They have the same conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, he betrays Snoke. And I was like, wait a minute. What's happening here? <laughs> and then when I watched all of them again and watched the new ones, I was like, hey. <laughs> plus the Battle of... Where's my original story? <laughs> it, it's like a lot of Return of the Jedi plus the Battle on Hoth. Except, except yeah. now sand is snow. Um, yeah. Re- Blood snow. I, I like your point, And I, I had a similar thing. And, and we'll talk about all our feelings about Return uh, Rise of Skywalker when we get to that movie. <laughs> but I feel like the other thing is, for me, my personal favorite moment for Rey is the fact that she comes from nowhere that she's from nobody because yeah. for me what that means is that i could be a jedi too like that anyone could be a jedi because it's not about who your parentage are it's not about your genetics or this midichlorian nonsense it's about you know who yeah who are you hottest pickup line ever yeah. you're nothing yeah. you came from no one <laughs> yeah but you're something to me you know Yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Turn that around I mean, real quick. Yeah, I was like, I mean, it's one hundred percent negative. You know, it's like you're nothing except I love you. Yeah, it's actually a great point. It's t- yeah. <laughs> oh, it's like classic abuser yeah. tactics. And I was sitting on the couch like, oh, Kylo, <laughs> you know, yeah. tell me I'm nothing. Yeah. You don't kick shit here. You know, but I, but I, no. but I think that also tell me to shut up and sit down. Me. Sorry. Uh, have some water. Yes, the thirst is strong. Uh, but I, I think for me, especially because you pair it with the other great moment in this movie that gets totally forgotten when the young boy who is like remembering the story of Luke Skywalker just casually uses the force to pull the broom to him. And it's funny, I completely missed that the first time I saw the movie until people pointed it out. It's, it's subtle. So subtle. It's very subtle. But to me, it's so important because clearly that kid's not the son of Palpatine or Skywalker or Obi-Wan. He's just a kid. Because you can just be a person, and it's it, 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 to me, it is such a beautiful part of this movie and of Ray's story that she can come from nowhere. Because it's yeah, and we'll get to why I hate the way it changed, but yeah, it's such well, a great part of her character in this movie. And to like look at the bigger picture, if the most powerful, Je- like if it's genetic and it's passed on, like then shouldn't the Jedi Order get married and have kids? Like, shouldn't right? they be having some kind of Create program? Create your own tutor family. Have fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it makes much more sense that the Force, you know, is in all living things. Right. And sometimes it just sparks stronger somewhere. Yeah. Well, and and also I like this idea of, like, her coming from nothing being, like, like, like her parents abandoned her. Because her parents sucked. And like, you know what? You had you had sucky parents, and that's okay. That doesn't define who you are. You can still exactly. be great, even if your parents are jerks who dislike exactly. you. But then it's like, oh, it turns out, no. They yeah. did this for her own good. I'm like, eh. Yeah. 
we will be doing another episode on Rise of Skywalker, and we will have some strong feelings <laughs> all around there. Um, we all love it. And the way, and the way, all of that—that that throne room scene. I mean, I've, first off, is my favorite scene in the entire franchise. Wow, okay. Like the the beauty of that fight scene yeah. is yeah. stunning. But I always also, see one part where one guy goes to hit her, and she's standing there, and he has to stop, and she drops down, oh, and yeah. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> but she, other than that, it was beautiful. His hair. Uh, uh. <laughs> Sorry. That's no, good. I'm real into but, choreography. <laughs> but also, like the fact that I, I'm not—I I don't remember exactly how I felt the first time I watched it. But even now, on these rewatches, knowing what's going to happen, there's still enough tension there of who's going to turn on who, like who's going to join who. Like it's—they make it very believable. Yeah. That in that moment that you've been thirsting over uh, uh, <laughs> Kylo, that she might take his hand right there, yeah, and join him. Well, I'm oh, like, yeah, I'm like, oh. girl, <laughs> he said, please. He's very polite. Yeah, yeah, but even this idea of like, I think, okay, not gonna rag on Rise of Skywalker, um, but yeah, it, 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 like this idea of them as the sort of like power couple of the galaxy. Of like her bringing him closer, her bringing her bringing him closer to the light, but also like him, sort of disavowing her of this notion yeah. of like Jedi purity that sort of Luke was trying mm-hmm. to get at as well, um, and also this idea of like your parents don't make you. I think could be applicable to Kylo too. It seemed like he just had to like like he murdered his dad, right? Yeah, um, and he didn't murder his mom, but then his friends didn't. He was like, no, okay, or tried to, yeah. I suppose. Um, but this idea of like your parents not defining you, I think they could have both like worked that out together. Yeah. I, I, I'm a, yeah. he would have just helped her save the ships. Like that's all you have to do. Just help her save the ships. Mm-hmm. And everything would have been fine. You could have been able to barter for that one little thing. You had the higher ground. <laughs> like, I, I am on record as saying You're like a that I like the idea of a team up between like the former Sith and the former Jedi. You know, I really wanted it with mm-hmm. Ahsoka and Ventress. And I think, yeah, in that scene, I was so excited that potential of exactly what you're saying, Sarah, of them, like, together feeling like, yeah, I'm rejecting the Sith, you're rejecting the Jedi. Is there some way to meet in the middle somewhat of, like, saying both of these systems are kind of broken and kind of extreme? Um, And, you know, again, it's, like, I think there was still potential for this, that at the end of this movie. The other thing that I love so much about that, uh, that scene, I mean, it's so beautiful. It's such a powerful moment for the two of them working together. But it's also, I just was talking before about Ray's emotional journey. It is where uh, where uh, Kylo like switches like a light. Because one thing is that in all those scenes where him and uh, Ray are joined, Ray is angry. He's totally calm. You know, she's yelling at him. How could you kill your father? How could you do this? And he's very like, hmm, this is interesting. I wonder how we're doing this. Like, and it's, it's only until she rejects him that all that goes out the window. And I feel like there's such a direct line between him getting rejected there and then now him coming face to face with Luke, the other person who he feels completely rejected him, and just utterly losing his shit. You know, because he's like so unbalanced yeah. there. And it's all because of that scene with him and, and Ray. And I think there's so much of like, for him, 
Ray embracing him would have sort of been a like, you know, he wants daddy, granddaddy Vader to embrace him, but apparently the ghost of Vader is never talking to him. He wanted Snoke to embrace him, <laughs> but Snoke was nagging him all over the place. He wants Luke to embrace him. He and now Lay is his last chance. Ray is his last chance, and she rejects him as well. Yeah, I I see what you're saying. Although I kind of disagree with he's totally calm during their interactions when she's so angry. I think like he's he's cold, but I don't think he's calm. Mm, that's like mm. it's this purposeful, powerful again, like classic abuser tactic of like yeah, yeah. I'm over here, cool as a cucumber, and you're the one who's getting emotional. But like you can tell inside that he's like manipulative and like also like trying to piece together what's going on but this idea of like he's enjoying toying with ray Mm, that's fair Mm -hmm. right and in in this sort of like power move like i don't as much as i thirst after kylo he's a jerk like he's (laughs) not a good guy we would have problems start smashing my stuff around we'll see what happens (laughs) there's a great article uh that went around when the movie first came out about he um Comparing him to Vader is the perfect sort of understanding of, like, neo-Nazi online versus, like, actual fascism in terms of, like, that Kylo is, he's not Vader. Mm. He's the whiny boy who's trying to be Vader, you know, who's trying to live up to that, but is so... He's equally as whiny as Anakin, though. I'll give him that. That's fair. Yeah. Like, James Earl Jones, that voice does not whine. That's not possible. It's not his register. But pre that, he was like, I hate them! I mean, you know what to see. <laughs> All like, the Skywalkers have their have their moments. Gorgeous. Yeah, I want to go to Tashi Station. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I need power converters. Yeah, like, Riki and I were joking that we think that the um, the the Knights of Ren is that what just the generic stormtroopers are called around the no those no. are fancy guys the generic stormtroopers who are just wandering in the ba- around the base probably have some sort of c- code word for when Kylo's like losing his poop. oh yeah. Um, and it's just like, oh, he's pulled a Kylo again. Get the broom. Yeah. <laughs> like, what's he smashed yeah. this time? Maintenance crew to that Don't elevator. make eye contact. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In this movie or the last one, where there's two stormtroopers, like, walking down a hall, they see Kylo going crazy and turn around and walk the other way. They they I see the sparks yeah. see, and they, coming out of the... It's it's the previous yeah. one, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. it's uh, but but it's like one of those stormtroopers is Daniel Craig, I think. Is that what? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> I, I, will, I, I, I just want to make a quick aside also about stormtroopers. We've complained numerous mm. times about how stormtrooper armor stops nothing. Like an Ewok can punch you, a laser blast, nothing. <laughs> Captain Phasma, her armor stops a laser blast. So someone can build yeah. proper stormtrooper armor. They just choose not to. Anyway, my, my <laughs> yeah. is she? That's because Captain Phasma is a bleep bleep bleep. M M F and B. Yeah, something. Yeah, okay, yeah. And, and I'm just, I'm so disappointed by the lack of use of Phasma yeah, in, in the entire trilogy. Yeah, and I think, like she, I guess she dies in this movie because she doesn't come back in the third movie. I was like, did she fall into space? Like, I was really watching. Like, is that what happened? Because it goes through the fire, and there was a hole at the bottom of the sh- the ship was cut in half. Right. right? So I guess we assume she's in space. Yeah. Yeah. So in in, in the chats, so wondering if she has Beskar armor. That's kind of what I was wondering, too, because she does. I think they were trying to, like, mm-hmm. make her into the new Boba Fett, but then, like, traitor with the, right. like, weird 
Spinny Gun got way more like viral attention. And then so she even sort of makes a callback to that, right? With like calling Finn a traitor. Mm. Trying to, I think, like recapture some of that magic. But because like it was it felt forced, right? Like they were trying to force Phasma to be this like virally cool sensation in the same way of like Orisang or Boba right. Fett that mm-hmm. it just like they didn't quite get there they should have just given her lines and made her an actual yeah. character yeah I wonder this I don't know but I wonder if it is in some ways tied to what happened to Finn's character because like often in movies like this like each one of our heroes has their own sort of personal antagonist and Phasma is very mm. much Finn's antagonist you know with his whole yeah. journey yeah. of being the former stormtrooper and like all that stuff, and in some ways, I feel like having her die in this movie, it, it just under it, you know, it's one more sign of like they didn't know what to do with Finn, you know, because that could have been such a big part of, especially since I mean, one of the sure. things I do like about the last movie is that they do go into this idea of like the the stormtroopers who are rebelling and stuff like that. So yeah, just one more. <laughs> yeah, and that would have been a perfect place to reintroduce Phasma yeah. Yeah. and have her try to recapture them or, or kill them or whatever. Sure. And like we all know that. Falling down a deep pit and even being cut in half doesn't necessarily doesn't mean you die. Mean anything. <laughs> Haley Hobbs does point out in the chat that um, best cut armor is very good against most things except when Obi Wan punches you, um, because that happens oh in Clone Wars. Yeah. But so yeah. wait, what? When? There's at least one or two points where he's fighting Mandalorians and he just punches them, and it and he's just yeah, punching them. Well, Obi Wan is very special. Also very true. The power of snark and sass. That's yeah, he's just so sassy. <laughs> They're emotionally wounded. So yeah. the one last theme I wanted to talk about, and then let's, let's go into some of the specific characters, is this idea of mythology and legend. Because obviously it's something that Luke especially is really feeling. And and it's funny, even in the cre- in the opening scrawl, you know, it says that like everyone, all these rebels are just thinking like if only Luke shows up, everything will be okay again. And on the one hand, Luke is very opposed to that. Is very And, and he, he at one point says like the reason he failed is because he's just Luke. He's not Luke Skywalker, the great Jedi Master, you know? And it feels like the movie is kind of going back and forth on this question because on the one hand, it's very critical of the dangers of myth and legend. But then at the end, like this wonderful moment of hope is that little kid telling the story of Luke Skywalker. Uh, what what do, what do you kind of take away from this in terms of like what, what the movie's having to say and what you think about the role of legend and mythology and how that's helpful or harmful? Yeah, I, I don't I don't think those are two opposing points. I think it's mostly like not believing your own hype, I guess. Like this idea of knowing knowing myth and legend as myth and legend and then believing you are legendary and mythical, right? Like so Luke Luke Skywalker mm-hmm. is like just a dude, but the story of Luke Skywalker is very important. And then, like, as soon as Luke started believing that he was the story, right? As soon as the Jedi started believing that they were the Force, that's when this breakdown happens. Right. Yeah, you need, like, legend-type stories to inspire people in a conflict like this. Um, And a lot of the comic books that take place between A New Hope and um, The Empire Strikes Back are about Luke's journey and growing as a as a rebel and a Jedi, but it's also about him just like going around and kind of like inspiring people and saying like, Hey, yeah, like I'm the one who blew up the Death Star, like join the rebellion. <laughs> so he's kind of like Captain America it up. Like the, the first yeah. part of Captain I America. Love that. Yeah. It's a great connection. Cause that's, 
I think in the same way, like Cap fights against that somewhat. I, I just recently rewatched Avengers and I'd totally forgotten that there's a moment where, you know, uh, uh, you know, Coulson says, okay, well, we have your suit. And Cap says, like, isn't the Stars and Stripes kind of hokey? Like, he doesn't want to put on the suit to be Cap again. And and Craig says that maybe people need that inspiration. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like that point that, that it, it's about kind of finding that balance of, of how do you do both of those things. Yeah. And in this movie, I mean, when Rose meets Finn, she gushes on mm-hmm. about him and like the role he played in blowing up Starkiller Base. And he's like, no, 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 like that. I'm, I'm nobody like it's it's yeah. no big deal because he kind of he kind of knows like how little he did or, you know, how lucky they all got in that situation. Yeah. But we can see how the stories of how Starkiller Base was destroyed have spread and have inspired people. Yeah. And, and I think that's yeah. a great scene because it's a great double edged sword, because the fact is, you know, Rose is saying, like, if you are part of this military organization and you leave, that is desertion. You know, that is a crime. Finn never signed up. Finn never made any commitment. And to me, like, maybe I'm sort of being overly sympathetic. I think he has every right in the world to get in an escape cod and peace out and go try to rescue the other Jedi. And I think there's something really interesting there about Rose is holding him to a standard of this myth and legend that really should never have been applied to him. Yeah. yeah. And I think she's also like grieving the loss of her sister as well, who was like, right. like died in the line of duty, right? In this very honorable yeah. like self-sacrifice. And I think she's trying to hold everybody to that standard now. And that might yeah. just be part of her grief. I think that's true. That's true. I think the other reason why this whole idea of the legend and mythology point really echoed for me is it does feel like a lot of this movie is about, and and uh, Riki, I think you were saying this at the beginning, just challenging. It's kind of a meta point because it's not only about how in this universe people should do it, but there's also an element of like, hey, you fans, how much are you putting these people on pedestals and not treating them as real people? You know, and that I think gets into all the stuff they show about Luke, but also there's just, there's so many wonderful little comments in here about uh, you know, uh, Yoda saying like, you know, that that we have to grow beyond the past and we have to trust the next generation, you know, to not to be not what the past was. And and Kylo, like I mean, one of the only things that they, I agree with him that he says to Ray is, you know, kill the past. Forget about it. Yeah. If he um, wasn't literal about that, I think she would have taken his hand. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like, do, you think, do, do you think that there is some kind of a meta point there of like, you know. Because part of what Ryan Johnson is doing is really breaking away from a lot of the fan expectations of these movies and saying, like, that's, you know, the past movies are great, but but these are new ones and they're growing beyond and that's okay. And we should let go of wanting everything to be, you know, the Luke that we wanted and the Han that we wanted and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, I think the, those two points that you brought up, Matthew, Yoda at one point says something like, we are what they grow beyond. I believe, yeah. in, in discussions of Rey and, and future potential Jedi. And then, of course, Kylo is saying, like, kill the past or destroy the past. But both of them are applying the same kind of logic that w- when it's time for the new generation to take over, that you have to, like, build upon what the past has, has uh, brought you to, right? Right. And Kylo wants to destroy it and and move <laughs> on, and Yoda saying like let them grow beyond you, and that and that's how they will become even greater. Yeah, and yeah, like I think that's that's a great point about the meta aspect of this movie and this trilogy, and why I have so much love for it is yeah. that 
it has built upon everything I've loved since being a child and has added these elements that I can appreciate as an adult now and kind of grow beyond the, the childish elements of what I enjoy. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree. And I think maybe the, one of the reasons why I am sort of disillusioned with this movie is because like the next movie undermines this point so much. Um, and it just like feels bad. Especially with the whole, like, like with Kylo explicitly saying to Ray, like, your parents are no one. You're nothing. Um, right? And this idea of, like, directly being told Ray is not special. 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 Ray does not have some sort of fancy lineage. We're telling you this directly. Let go of that idea that she's going to be related to these past movies in any way, shape, or form. And then the next movie is like, mm, JK Law, she is. Yeah. And I feel like no, that, I that, like, just breaks it down and like Ricky was saying I I like that message a lot of like this is its own thing you you got to like let it be its own thing and yeah, yeah. kill kill the past build build on the past before yeah and like I, I don't want to get too much into like the fan debates over this movie and I I think it's very possible to have legitimate concerns about this movie and dislikes of this movie and not be a toxic fan by any means mm-hmm. and I think even like like you know there are there are, I think people with very legitimate opinions who just don't like what they did with Luke in the story. And I think that can be totally legitimate. But I think in many ways, the point we're talking about now is kind of exactly where the toxicity came from. Like, because there were, for a lot of people who had a very specific idea of like, you know, I don't want to see a girl Jedi. I don't want to see a black Jedi. I don't want to see, you know, Luke being weak. In some ways, like, that whole idea of like, let go of the past and be willing to let there be new things really kind of resonates for me in that. Um, yeah, so Vermilion one talking about how uh, it says Kylo is using hubris and anger to move beyond his teachers, whereas Yoda is telling Luke, "Our time has passed. Step aside in humility to allow the next generation to take their path." And yeah, like I think because Kylo is a Sith, you know, we are familiar with the rule of two. The only way for you to move past your master and become a master yourself is to kill your master. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. he is kind of like holding to that tradition. Well, and it, it, I think actually you're both making a fantastic point. I haven't figured out until this moment. It, I mean, I think it's very easy for us to say, like, Kylo should have done that, but Luke didn't let him. Mm-hmm. Luke was doing exactly the problem. Luke was, he saw his student doing something wrong and and jumped to this bad place. And, and you know, and I, I, one thing I both love about this movie so much, but makes it so hard to talk about, is the way it uses that Rashomon technique of, like, we're going to show you that same scene three different times and never actually tell you the truth of it. And for me, it's both a brilliant filmmaking technique because it's a great, like, look at the idea that like, you know, when I tell you a story from my past, I cannot possibly tell you what exactly happened because like, you know, my, your emotions will always color your memories. And, and so I, I love that, but it also makes it harder to discuss, like, how wrong was Luke? Because we don't know exactly what happened, because no one will know yeah. exactly what happened. And I, it's both frustrating, but I think that's the point, and that's why I love it so much. Good point. Let, yeah. Oh, go, go on. Oh, no, it's, it's fine. <laughs> uh, let's go into some of the specific characters. I think we've talked a lot about them, so we can kind of just touch on them quickly and see if there's anything more about their journeys we want to talk about. First with Rey. What, what do you kind of think of Rey's journey and where she, she goes as a character in this movie? I I don't love Ray as much in this movie as I did in 
previous one, and I'm getting all the mm. acronyms confused. This is Last <laughs> Jedi. That one was Return of the Rise of the Force Awakens. Oh gosh, the Force rises. The Force, <laughs> the Force of Skywalker arises. <laughs> <laughs> I just sorry. I'm, I do it my, too. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um. But yeah, I I I think it's because she's so indoctrinated i guess in this or like so adherent to this idea of like luke skywalker the legend right um and like he even points out to her like do you think i came to this hard to get to island in the middle of nowhere that i've erased from all maps because i wanted you to come find me like yeah what you doing here girl right and just like her being so adamant about it that like, no, no, this is right. I'm not leaving until you come with me. And then when she goes into the cave and uh, is like seeing all those reflections of herself and then instantly comes back and is like, hey, Kylo Ren, leader of the Knights of Ren. Uh, let's have a chit chat about this because like I saw stuff and I felt power. And like, what do you think? Right. Like, like that's you're making some bad yeah. decisions, right? <laughs> yeah. But I also think it's an interesting meditation on... I'm just going to jump in my pod. Hang on. She's just like, I'm going to yeah. jump in my pod because I think this is a good idea. I'm going to get there and he's just going to take my hand and everything's going to be fine. I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> well, it, it's funny. This is a weird metaphor I'm going to use, but I think it's, it applies to many other things. But like when when debates happen about like, should we teach kids sex ed and stuff like that? One of the comments is often, I, I used to be a, a, a big proponent of, of sex ed. Uh, professionally, I still am in my own life. But um, one of the points that we often make is if you don't try to teach kids, someone else is going to. And they're often going to learn it from the worst places. Right. And there's kind of something here like Ray turns to Kylo because Luke won't teach her. Mm-hmm. She's just had this incredible. And I think that's kind of the, the genius of Snoke is that, you know, somehow Snoke understands that Ray is going to get rejected and not, you know, she turns to Luke and says, help me. And he won't. And so she turned, like, I think you're right. It's, she's idiotic to turn to Kylo. But I also understand, like, you have all this knowledge, and here's the one person who will talk to you about it. And he's so dreamy. And yeah. he's so dreamy. Also true. Also true. Um, I think Kylo's character, we've talked about a good deal. Um, is there any, any other kind of points you want to make about Kylo's character arc, or we can move on? Well, I just want to say, like, the actor, Adam, Adam Driver, fantastic. And not just, like in his line delivery but the intensity with which he fights with with mm-hmm. his lightsaber there's just something magical about it and I, I just love it so much yeah honestly i'm like pretty sure the reason i crush so hard on kylo ren is because i'm just crushing on adam driver yeah <laughs> i watched i have a thing for that though like the yeah. the loki's the dark hair the real pale skin super whiny i can probably mold you to what i want you to be mm-hmm. because you have a troubled childhood let's do this yes yeah, so <laughs> I, can, I can fix you i like a project it's good yeah look david bowie as the lab as the goblin king like that set a good ball bo- you know bar also, I'm enjoying that you can see the position of the sun in the sky out my window by how much darker my uh, video is getting. <laughs> yeah, I think similar is happening to us here. Yeah, yeah. you're in gorgeous <laughs> yeah. light now. <laughs> but you're right. I think um, I mean, all the conversation we had about the subtlety that Kylo was showing and how manipulative he is, but in these very subtle ways, um, I, I think is, is, is down to Adam Driver. And I think it's also part of why some of the, some of the scenes that don't feel very subtle, like Canto Bite is a scene that I feel like I've really kind of changed my mind on in a lot of way. I love the idea of it. I love the concept of it. There's no subtlety to it whatsoever. And I think it, it 
to me, that becomes even more of a glaring problem when you look at things like how well Adam Driver is acting that role. Yeah. And things like that. He puts his all into it. And that's, I appreciate it because he's a good actor. I like most of the things he's in. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, he, I know he, he feels whatever way about doing this role, but I will give him, he, he put everything into it and he was really going yeah. for it. And I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Vermillion, I want to just also mention, this is going back a bit, but I think Yoda realized that as well after teaching Luke, because Luke had left him on Dagobah and grew beyond his master's which I think is a really great point. Uh, and Vermillion, if you're attempting to make an application that you be a future guest on the Star Wars podcast, uh, we're signing you up. So, <laughs> um, so let's go to Luke, who I think obviously this is kind of one of the most controversial in terms of some people love his character in this, some people hate it and think it's not at all right. Uh, where do you all take on uh, Luke's journey? I'm, gonna... hmm. I'm in the, I'm I in the love category. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Luke. Luke in this movie was... Everything I didn't know I needed. Mm. I think that's the yeah. best way to put it. <laughs> I just Smash love Mark Hamill. No, I love him so much. <laughs> and I loved everything about it. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah, think... I... Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I think the the brilliance of making us wait, what was it, two years mm-hmm. after having, like, Ray extend the saber yeah, back to him. the memes yeah. that were on just... the internet with that saber. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, exactly. Actually, just him, like, <laughs> chucking it over his shoulder, right? Like, this is not... I am not what you built me up to be. Is amazing, yeah. Yeah, I didn't need to see him drinking that gross <laughs> milk. That was a power <laughs> move, yeah. I'm good. I didn't need that in my life. And it's probably it one of the top three things I remember from the film. <laughs> it doesn't bother me the way it bothers everyone else. Oh, of I... course it doesn't. I so I <laughs> I didn't remember it, and I don't know if it's because I like repressed it, but definitely watching it again, like him making eye contact with her, I'm just like, yeah, Ugh. yeah, and just like takes a swing, just like delicious, yeah. yeah, it's my blue milk is my heritage. He's very angry about it, that's for sure. Like, yeah, the, the aggressive like blue no. milk in his beard. But no, I, I I think I'm with you all. I to me. I don't see how Luke could get to any place but this, mm-hmm. to be honest. Like, because he is the legend now. He is the mythology. And I just, I don't, and maybe this is me sort of wanting too much realism in my movies. And people, I, I, I probably respect if you want the idea of the hero who just is the perfect hero through the rest of their life. To me, that's not something I can believe in. Like, you know, and even in the world of laser swords and the force and all this, I still want characters who feel relatable, you know? Yeah. It's always this kind of the, the DC versus Marvel idea of like, Marvel is, you know, heroes you can relate to. DC is like, the characters are like demigods. You're Mm -hmm. not supposed to relate to them. I I want Luke as a Marvel character. And I think where he goes with it, and especially the redemption he gets, because, I mean, to me, that the the confrontation he has against Kylo is everything. Yeah. Because he's both... He's not the person who comes back and says, Kylo, I can rescue you. Mm -hmm. And, And it's funny because I do feel like I don't think Kylo gets to where he does by the end of uh, Rise of Skywalker without this scene, because I think this is such a, like, pinprick to his ego and such a challenging moment for him. But just, like, I mean, every... I mean, Luke is mean. Luke's a bully in this. <laughs> like, the, the whole, like, brushing the, the dust off of his shoulder, which isn't there because he's not there, and, like, everything you just said is wrong. It just feels so perfect where Luke would have gotten to at this point, where he isn't just going to go back to the guy who confronted Vader, who was, like, young and naive and had all these great ideas. Starry-eyed. He's a very different person, and he's going to 
do it in a very different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like so so much has gone down in this like interim period. Like I really, especially watching um, the Mandalorian, right? Having everyone's seen the Mandalorian, right? We all know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Having like Luke come and collect Grogu, like something has happened between yeah. then and now, right? Where he's he's lost little baby Yoda. It, was he like one of the kids that Kylo killed? Maybe who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I love his journey as well, and I think like this grumpy eccentricness is is sort of like an honest acquisition of him, especially like because this is sort of what Yoda did. Like Yoda was the ultimate yeah. troll, and yeah. Luke's just like picking up on that. But I think yeah. he he still has a little bit of that like naive, like starry eyed optimism. I think, and especially we see it when he goes to burn down the tree. Yeah. And then it's just like, mm-mm. And then Yoda's just like, screw it, and lights it on fire. And he goes to like run in and like, oh no, no, that tree actually meant something. I was just having a like moment here. I just needed to get some aggression out. I didn't actually want to light it on fire. Yeah. yeah. And and then he gets to this point of like, okay, no, we gotta gotta let the past burn, right? And and still has so much to learn from Yoda. And mm. then yeah, going, confronting Kylo, and then just like letting go after that, right? Like he's helped mm-hmm. his friends, he's bought them time. Poe realized it, which is great instead of running out there and blowing things up. Yeah. Um <laughs> and also like yeah, th- this Kylo confrontation, I totally agree. Like I don't think Kylo could have got to where he did without it. Partly like I think he just needed that like huge rage explosion like he needed to get that aggression out because like right. Luke Luke didn't serve him well, right? No. Like he could have done a lot more for him and he didn't. And I don't think that necessarily makes like Luke bad and Kylo right. But like right, he still felt let, let down by Luke and I think he needed to like express that, I guess. I feel like there's still so much story missing from that part of the story that we just never mm-hmm. maybe it's in books or comics and I don't know but like mm-hmm. where were your parents like I mean I know <laughs> that Luke you know hurt you but if you would have gone back to your mom and dad I'm sure I don't know I don't know I just I need more of that story I know Snoke yeah. was involved and I know that there was a lot of background stuff happening but I just need a little bit more. <laughs> yeah, and there's like clearly something going on with like Han and Leia, and like did their marriage fall apart because pre- of that because of Kylo, or is it like exactly? Yeah, like, yeah. was right. she like, "I'm yeah. going to be a single mom. You get out of here. I'm doing myself." You like, <laughs> I'm <laughs> a knows? general. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is, and this is more on the Force Awakens, but it's on all of them. You know, my frustration about how little we know about the time between you know Return of the Jedi and this is, and, and I do like. I mean, I don't want to watch a movie that is like, you know, young Ben and Luke, but I I like that we are going to get so much new content set in that time period. And I hope that it is going to start to fill in these gaps, you know, mm-hmm. and that Luke will will get to hear like Luke yeah. talking with Grogu and, and, and Ahsoka and all that kind of stuff. Like, I think there could be so much there to explore. Like I said, I, like I, need, I, I need Ahsoka to know what happened to Anakin. I know. <laughs> uh, so let's talk about um, Finn and Rose. Uh, we talked about them some somewhat like. What what's your take on kind of those two characters and their arc together? I mean, just the characters, I think, is a reasonable arc. I mean, obviously, we don't get any payoff in the next movie, which is disappointing. Mm-hmm. But I think as a as a midpoint of a potential romantic arc, this was a a good one, and it ends like 
ambiguous enough that I guess you could just wipe it all away. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but I think bigger picture, like beyond the the plot of the movie itself, like real world stuff. Obviously, it's it's really disappointing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, John Boyega came out and was very critical of the way his character was handled, and I think we can all see that and. And also with um, Kelly Marie Tran, Rose's actress, like this, this could have been like a real big thing between them, you know, and and it just didn't go anywhere. I think that's that's disappointing as a fan. Yeah, I think like I I like both their characters. I didn't like this arc, and even the idea of like pairing them together, I still am not super comfortable with that, and partly because it's like. The idea of seeing minorities as the only viable romantic option for other minorities is, like, mm-hmm. frustrating. And you kind of set up a relationship in the first movie yeah. and just have him kind of, right. like, brush that aside to, spoiler alert, do the same thing in the next one. Like, poor the yeah, writers. Finn had, such, Finn had such insane chemistry with Ray mm-hmm. and insane chemistry with Poe. And, and so you could choose either of them or, hey, polyamory, all three of them in the triad. <laughs> That's my own canon. But, like... Yeah, and, and so it's sort of like, I love so much about the Ray thing. The Ray story also is, I think, where I feel a lot of the the poor execution of things in this movie really stand out. Like, again, like, the Canto Bite scene has so much potential. But, like, the idea that, like, you know, yes, you know, Las Vegas, like, the oil industry <laughs> is awful and terrible. Not every single rich person is part of any one industry, you know? And they all, like... The way that, that the arms industry thing is pushed and, like, just that everyone in Canto Blight, granted, I'm a gambler, I like going to casinos, I want to hope someone at Canto Blight isn't terrible. <laughs> but but just, like, you know, and, and also just little details of, like, why didn't they just legally park when they got to Canto Blight? That would have made everything so much easier, right? you know? Like, they were in a hurry. Yeah. Or, or, or even just, like, that moment at the very end, I think the implication is supposed to be that Finn wouldn't make it. That Finn was just going to die for nothing. And so that Rose stops him because like that great line, we protect what we love. We don't destroy what we hate. But the way I watch that scene, I feel like Finn was going to destroy it and thus save everyone. Yeah, and me too. Like, Why did you stop? And I feel like they wanted us to feel that. They just didn't execute it well. And so it's just, I, every time I watch the Finn and Rose story, I think in part because also what happens later, I, I, it just is frustrating to me because they're both amazing actors. They're wonderful characters. I just think they're not given the credit they should have gotten. Yeah. Just to, to touch on... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no. Go ahead. I was going <laughs> to... No. no, you go. You go. Okay. Uh, to touch on the, like, Rose stopping Finn thing. Like, I think that is the point. I think he was going to make it, and he was going to sacrifice himself, and he was going to save everybody. But that's bad, right? Like, we we saw that in the beginning. Like, yeah, they blew up... Oh, Sorry, she's a little sick, so she's been she's been extra cuddly. Um, my cat just walked across my lap. For anyone who is listening to this afterwards, um, yeah, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, so the, we saw at the beginning, right, with the bombers sacrificing themselves. Like they did it, they got rid of those gunships, mm-hmm. they completed their mission, but they all died. Um, and like that, and like what, what Leo was saying, right? Like dead heroes, no leaders. Yeah. Like that's not a good thing and i mean then we kind of get it like countermanded with with laura dern light blasting herself through all these uh ships at the end yeah Yeah, exactly so it feels a little bit like mixed message but yeah what what rose says of like we don't win by destroying what we hate 
we're sacrificing ourselves to destroy what we hate. Like we win by protecting what we love, which includes ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. True. Do you think that Rose would rather have her sister back, right? Or this dreadnought right. destroyed? I, I guess though for me it it does feel like you said a very inconsistent message because Luke literally dies to do like Luke sacrifices himself. Um and and I guess to me the mm-hmm. stakes of destroy one dreadnought versus like literally stop the rest of the re- the resistance from being wiped out because they don't know it, it just, and and granted I, I I maybe I have a very skewed perspective on this because like I think I think Captain America's wrong. You do trade lives. Like sometimes trading lives is the right thing to do. So I maybe have just a very cynical perspective on this, but I but that it, it's helpful to know that it, it that even if you see that he would have made it, that there is, is an argument for for what she says. Yeah, and I, don't, I don't think Luke knew that he was going to sacrifice himself. Like, I don't think he knew if that was even going to work, like that type of exertion in the force. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I guess I see Luke less as a sacrifice and more as like, I have done my part. I have, It's time to go so that the others right. grow beyond me. Not like, right, like if, if he was actually physically there and then like let Kylo saber him in half, then I think it'd feel differently than him just like providing a distraction, providing an outlet for Kylo. Yeah. And then, like, letting letting go and, like, becoming one with the Force. Yeah. yeah. That's fair. Dusted. That's totally fair. Yeah. You were going to um, say a bunch of stuff, Ashley, and we cut you off a bunch of times. Oh, yeah. Well, no. it was. It's actually probably not a very... Do you think if they would have had Finn, like, with what they ended up doing with his character, if they would have had him sacrifice himself and that's how they got out, would that have been a better character arc than we ended up getting by the end of these three movies? <laughs> Gosh. knowing Knowing what we got... Probably, which is like sucky to say because, like, because that's what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, I was like, I wonder like, if he would have just gone here. The black guy has to die to save all the white people. Definitely doesn't feel like a good move, but mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's at least he gets something, you know. And and he get, I mean, he gets an interesting character arc in the third movie. I he think. does. It just that there's no connection to what he happened. Like, it feels like Finn is three different characters in these three different movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, totally, hundred percent. I just want him to be a Jedi. Like, I think yeah, just be one. Yeah, you know. Um, so I, I think kind of that, that hits most of the characters I wanted, we wanted to talk about. Like I mentioned Poe, but I think we've we've gotten him to a lot. So I was now going to go over into kind of like just random things, like what are kind of which other like little moments that like stood out for you as either things you loved or didn't love or just interesting thoughts about the movie. I got a lot of questions about shooting that ship through those other ships like that because why doesn't everybody just do that? <laughs> You, okay, so uh, there there are just some things you should not delve into the science of, and I think just time tra- time travel is one of them. Gravity and just space. don't ask about how time travel works in these yeah. movies. And I think like light speed slash hyperspace slash whatever is another one because like it it just doesn't make sense. Like, and if you try to make it make sense, there's a very famous Star Trek Voyager episode where they go past warp ten and. They become lizards. Oh yeah! Salamanders. Oh gosh! Yes. And so it bad. just makes it worse. <laughs> so bad. Yeah, I mean, in the in those High Republic novels, I keep talking about. They do make a lot of it about the science of hyperspace. And uh, I think it's such a poor idea. Yeah. Because you're right. It's it's. It doesn't make it, sense. If you think seriously about that, that what Admiral Holdo does, it doesn't make much sense. It is also, I think, perhaps the single most powerful moment in any Star Wars property I've ever seen. Yeah. Like, it is just, yeah. it's so gorgeous. It's so powerful. The silence of it mm-hmm. is just like, 
30 seconds of the most beautiful, brilliant movie making I've ever seen. And and you're kind of right. And that's why, like, I'm kind of a little front. Like, every time I watch it now, you're I'm like, not just like, And oh then my 10 God. minutes later, you're like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah. in, the same, in the same way that I'm like, she looks amazing. And I'm so glad of this vision of, like, someone who's, like, dressed in a, like, evening gown. Lavender ass. for days. <laughs> and then I kind of wonder, like, how what, what was the dinner ball that she was dressed for and got pulled away from in the middle of this, like, resistance thing? What was happening on that other ship while they were all doing this? <laughs> and when the know? ship's going down, you put on your best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel like in so many ways, too, like, she had to die to, like, prove to Poe that she was serious. I don't like that. I don't like that at all either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I the, 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 I think like we can't like looking too much into the science of this, right? Like there's no there's no gravity in space. <laughs> that's a thing that that yeah. apparently exists yeah, briefly so, yeah. and then stops. Bombers, again. Bombers make Drop no sense whatsoever. <laughs> I remember I was working at a they game store when this movie came you. out, and we got this. We got this wonderful spoiler because a week before the movie came out, we got this box of like for the the star the X Wing uh, miniatures game. We got the bombers miniatures, and we were all standing around going like, "This is awesome! How does a bomber make any sense in space where there's no gravity?" <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's not just that, like they open the whole bottom of the ship to like the vacuum of space, and Rose's <laughs> sister is just like sitting there breathing just fine. Like, yeah, uh... I, I guess you could sort of maybe argue that they're like still close enough to the planet that maybe they're within the planet, like they're in orbit, and the planet's gravity is affecting them somehow. But it's then bombers seem a very limited ship in that regard. Yeah, I think this is another thing where it's like just like just look at how pretty it is and don't think too much about how the science works yeah um one cool little bit of trivia that i found i I did my watch of this last night with my friend susan and she told me this do you guys know why the porgs are are there because they're adorable because they wanted to sell a bunch of toys all this is true but all those scenes were shot on this irish this island off the coast of ireland that's a wildlife preserve and then among other things is home to hundreds of puffins puffins right and they wanted to like they were very, very strict instructions. They could not move the puffins so off of the island. they just like they slapped over like a sticker? Oh, yeah. dang. That's <laughs> amazing. So that makes, like, when I saw the porgs, I was like, I don't need this. Like, you know, Chewbacca tossing them around is kind of fun, but we don't need this. But then when I knew that, I was like, okay, that's That's, that's adorable. <laughs> that's a wonderful little <laughs> that's story. That's so love good. It. And like, I, I mean, I love the Ewoks. I like the porgs. I love the porgs, right? Like, I'm all for the the, the cutesy little, like, yes, please tell me the stuffed animal of this. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, knowing that it's like they're just legit puffins. That's so cute. Um, Other little things that I had, and like we can discuss them and then people throw out others. Um, Where's Han? Because I hadn't even thought about it going into this movie that at some point Luke has to learn that Han is dead. Oh. And then just when he sees Chewbacca come off the Millennium Falcon and ask where's Han, it was oh, just yeah. such a powerful moment. Yeah, I... Uh, oh, yeah, someone, someone in the chat's pointing out Loth Cats. Yeah, Loth Cats, also adorable. Um, yep. Yeah, I I agree. And it's like it's weird because like, you don't think that he Luke would have felt it in the Force. The way, like, That's what I was thinking. I was shocked. Well, but he, like, he cut himself off from the Force. Yeah. Mm, oh, true, 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 true. true. Oh, yeah. yeah. Good point. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Force so just denier. Like, <laughs> yeah. 
that moment was I thought was brilliant. And then also um, when R2-D2 shows that Kylo Ren has nothing on him in terms of manipulation. Mm-hmm. Because that moment of like, nothing will get me. And then showing the tape of Leia saying, I need you, you're my only hope. It was just so brilliant and such a cheap move and so good. Yeah. R2's like, my favorite we... character by a long shot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what are the little moments that stood out for you as either good or bad that you wanted to mention? So one thing I didn't notice until this rewatch, um, when Luke shows up on Crate and faces off against Kylo Ren, one of the clues that he is not actually there is when they show their feet, you know, right. across the the salt and it changes from white to red uh, when Kylo shifts his feet and then it doesn't when Luke does. Um, so that was something I think I noticed maybe on the second watch. And then it took till this watch that I, I didn't. I, I noticed uh, Luke's hair is shorter in those scenes, in the same style as in the flashbacks of the Jedi Temple. Yeah, it's brown as well oh. instead of gray. Yeah, and his, and his facial yeah. hair is completely trimmed. Yeah, huh. he has the more like a goatee instead and of it, like the wild. And it adds hair. and it adds a little more to the dialogue that he has with Leia about her changing her hair. Oh, he forced oh. younged himself. I yeah. didn't know that the force could do that. I have to read everything. <laughs> I'm going to force project myself. <laughs> it's like young and attractive. Yeah. Well, I think it's also like this is how Kylo last saw him. Right? Yeah. So he's showing up yeah. in this form. Yeah, exactly. And the like you changed your hair is also a nod to like what Han said to Leia when they, oh, when yeah. they meet. Um, but I think also like talking about like no, because I didn't realize that Luke was just a force projection when he first shows up but like the way that leia kind of looks up at him confused and mm. then like he leaves han's little like trinket in there it's like oh okay that's just what what she was confused about but it's like no no he's a hologram and so she's yeah, confused about touching. him not yeah him not touching her. exactly right yeah i mean i and i'll admit it when i go back this to me is another piece of brilliant movie making when like I, I go back and watch it now and I see this obvious shot of, of Kylo's feet in the sand and the Luke's feet in the sand. And I'm like, how in the world did I miss this? This is so obvious. And when I watched it the first time, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Completely mm-hmm. missed it. And Same. to me, that is brilliant filmmaking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is, again, why this movie is so, like, how do you do that? And then also have the the the, 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 the Canto Bite scene, which, yeah. which, again, had so much good in it. But Yeah. Uh, Ups and yeah. downs. You had another <laughs> thing about the the crate what about it the battering ram oh yeah i mean you you know how i like my tech stuff and Mm -hmm. when they bring out the battering ram cannon uh finn talks about it and he says that it's miniaturized death star tech and i i just question that like i don't (laughs) i don't know that that's correct because they're they're very dissimilar types of lasers Mm -hmm. and then it's like are you, are you telling me that this thing is powered by uh, kyber crystals? It, it just, it, it seemed like maybe either Finn didn't know what he was talking about and kind of made it up, or that's just what they tell people, but it's not really Death Star Tech. <laughs> yeah. Death Star Tech insofar as it like shoots a laser at something. Yeah. 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 It's like it's a big laser. Death Star Tech at this point. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that moment seemed a little odd. Uh, Haley Hobbs pointed out another cool thing. That in that standoff, Luke is projecting himself using Anakin's saber, which is a kind of neat one more little thing of like, you know, Kylo, you keep thinking that you're the heir to Vader, 
you know, I'm his son. Oh. I rescued him. I got him. Oh. That's, yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. I didn't notice that at all. Yeah, that's right. Which is, is something interesting. I never put this together either, but that there's such, you know, for Kylo to fixate on, you know, Grandpa Vader as the person he looks to is such a complete rejection of Luke as a mentor. Mm-hmm. Because Luke literally, like, killed Vader to bring back Anakin. And Kylo is basically trying to undo what Luke did because he wants, he thinks Vader is the one to remember. That's just another fun connection. That, yeah. yeah. And I think, like, you mentioned earlier why doesn't um, like, Anakin come talk to Kylo as a force ghost. Like, I think it's because of that rejection of Anakin, right? Like, Kylo doesn't want to talk to Anakin. Kylo wants to talk to Darth Vader. Exactly. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think I, and that's helpful because honestly, kind of like hyperspace, force ghosts are one of like, for me, one of the problems with a power is if you establish that a power can be used, now you have to ask why isn't it used all the time? Yeah. You know, like if time travel's real, then nothing bad should ever happen ever because like, you yeah. can always go back and fix it. You know, or if you can bring someone back, like if you can bring someone back from the dead, why don't you do it all the time? And there is sort of an element of like, why aren't force ghosts always coming in to tell people things? But I like at least that of like, Anakin's like, this kid ain't my grandson. What the hell is this kid? Yeah. Yeah. Um, one other little moment I I, I wanted to share. Um, I hadn't thought of this before, but watching the, um, basically like the Empire, Empire's version of BB-8. I think he should now be known as BB-Evil. Um, he is. Because yeah, yeah, he stole his ship. It's, no, it's he... BB-9-E. And the and E, stands for, the e stands for evil. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's so true. I never thought of that before. But yeah, I love I love evil BB-8. He's adorable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love yeah. BB-8's trash can dis- disguise and how upset evil BB-8 gets at that. <laughs> <laughs> so good. So He's good. like, I see you. Oh, and just that scene where they infiltrate and like steal the uniforms where the, the iron comes down. Oh, yeah. And it yeah. looks like a starship. Yeah, Detail. that iron moment was both like so random and so beautiful. <laughs> One other little thing I picked up, and I hear from you all on some of these. And again, it's such a random thing because it's a reference to a not very well-known movie from the 80s, I think, or maybe early 90s. But did any of you see the movie Enola Gay? Yes. Uh, Enola Gay was a, it was a perfectly nice movie about a bomber, you know, in World War II flying its last mission. And there's this one little moment where one of the gunners shoots down one of the Nazi fighters and he's like, you know, celebration, great. And then the Nazi fighter, as it's like crashing, crashes right into one of the other bombers, you know, one of their friends. And like, and there's a moment in that bomber scene where they shoot down a TIE fighter and then the TIE fighter crashes into another one of the bombers, which Mm. then sets off like this chain reaction that kills a couple of other bombers. And, And maybe I'm just drawing a connection, but it was so similar. I was like, you're referencing an obscure movie from the 80s that most people have never heard of. I love that. That's so beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so what about for you all? Were any other like last little moments you wanted to comment on or things you really liked or things you didn't like as much? Or I really liked the humor in this. And I know that, that was maybe another thing that people were upset about. But like Poe crank calling. Ad- <laughs> so Admiral good. Hugs. Yeah, Hugs. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love him. Hux? Yeah, I don't think yeah. he gets enough credit. Like, uh, he just yeah. crushes that sniveling evil villain. I love oh, him so yeah. much. Yeah. I love his voice. Yeah. He's always right. Nobody's listening to him. Yeah. <laughs> and I love that like his entire reason for like betraying the the first order is just like these people don't like me enough. Like I'm sick of Kylo's stuff. <laughs> listening to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, in some ways, what we keep talking about how like 
the rebellion people need to like let go of the past and like let the new people take over the empire is kind of the dark mirror image of that where the kids are running the show Mm. you know like who are the two most powerful people in the first order two spoiled kids who haven't grown out of their adolescent teenage I want phase you know yeah like, and Snoke <laughs> but yeah then he's dead yeah well right yeah, yeah but Snoke's dead and because to me what makes Huck, that scene with Huck so good is his reaction like <laughs> yeah. any other person would have been like okay this guy's pranking me just shoot him out of the sky now well, even but at Huck's the end gets- you're right because he's just like you would think he'd be like yes go out there and take on that guy who just survived all those blasts but he's actually like supreme leader you don't want to you know don't lose focus and then he just gets bitch slapped (laughs) yeah and it's like why do you why did you even try to care although it does allow him to give his one of the best lines in the movie where after every ad-at has shot every possible laser at luke (laughs) and he just says do you think we got him yeah but you didn't (laughs) Uh. (laughs) because he's not there yeah and just like i also like that it's this sort of like gentle callback to um, like Han screwing around on the comms, like we're fine. How are you? Oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I think people forget how like funny the original trilogy was, right? Like there's yeah. a lot of humorous moments in it, mm-hmm. and it's just yeah, like that. The oh, Admiral Admiral hugs that got me. That was great. Wipe that nervous expression off your face, said to a yeah. droid who literally cannot. Yeah, he's just like this is my face, but he did like. 3PO 100% looked very nervous when he was just, like, turning his face towards Leia, right? And I think his arm is bent at a different, at a different angle. angle. Well, he's like... Oh. Uh, 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 uh. You, you know, when talking about The Mandalorian, we give Pablo Pascal a lot of very legitimate, I think, and very earned credit for being so good at body acting, you know, and conveying so much emotion. And I think we don't give the cre- credit to Anthony Daniels, the person yeah. who plays C-3PO. We really should have. Because, yeah, you're right, like... It's that same thing. We can't actually see his face, but he does convey that he's nervous or he's afraid or he's proud. Yeah, or just like, we shouldn't mutiny right now. Frantic. Supporting (laughs) the mutiny wouldn't be proper. So good. It's like, I'm out of here. Yeah. (laughs) When even like Poe mentions to like BBA, he's like, happy beeps, happy beeps. Like, you gotta. What about from you all? Any other kind of uh, moments? We had, any other moments? Um, Ash, is there been stuff in the chat we can t- touch touch on? I think we've hit a lot of it. Were there any questions the chat asked that we haven't gotten to? Um, I have more of like comments than questions. Uh, Vermilion Ooh. earlier said that I saw it. Um, hang on, like I saw it in the first time. Hang on, I'm gonna try to restructure this. <laughs> saw it in the first time through that one of the biggest themes okay i saw that one of the biggest themes of this one is about trying something and failing as a part of life and that makes the whole canto bite part of the great of a sorry this is a little, sorry vermilion one little little more syllables on the emphasis <laughs> and that makes the whole Canto bite part, a great part of it because they tried to get the code breaker but failed and tried to get a code breaker proxy, brought him back, and that failed too. Poe's plans all failed. Luke's plan for Kylo failed. And Yoda said failure is our best teacher. Sorry, I butchered the shit out of that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's, a, that's a great point. I mean, like, we didn't even talk about DJ at all as a oh, character. Yeah. Um, and I think he's... I mean, he's great, right? He's exactly what he said he was. 
Um, he's like, I will, I will just do things for the highest bidder. And then they're like upset that he betrayed them. It's like, I, I straight up told you this is what I was going to do. Um, <laughs> and I, I also like his reveal that like, these people you're so against because they're selling weapons to the quote unquote bad guys are also selling weapons to the quote unquote good guys. Right. right. And so it's like, who's, who's the real bad guy? Who's the real good guy? Yeah. He's the most cynical, but in that, like he's pointing out hard truths, you know? Mm-hmm. And in some ways, he he's obviously a darker, more sinister version. But, mm-hmm. like, for those who know the Clone Wars, does he give you kind of serious Hondo energy? Like, it's that same kind of role of the person who, like, kind of, like, with both the Empire and the the, the, the Separatist and the, the Republic. It's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. They're both kind of full of nonsense. Like He's, like, a less, um, like, ostentatious Hondo, for sure. <laughs> yeah. He just wants his cut. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Vermilion One also points out that the scene between Leia and Holdo talking about Poe is a good nod at their respect of Poe while still being upset that he's being totally insubordinate. And like, yeah, completely agree, right? They both agree that Poe's got potential and they like him, but like he needed to be, he needs to be knocked down a peg and he needs to stop thinking that jumping in his X-Wing and blowing things up is the answer to everything and then just doing it without asking anybody. Yeah. And that scene, the depth of affection and friendship that those two were able to show in just like a very short interaction. Yeah. yeah. She's like, I've said it enough. You say it. I know. Aww. Like, I know, Laura like, Dern and Carrie Fisher are both just like amazing women. I love them so much. Me too. And that line of like, I can't, I can't do this without you. I can't suffer one more loss. Of course you can. You know, there's you just, taught it's, again, it's me that, like, how. Yeah. Oh, oh, so good. So good. <laughs> And it did make me wonder, and I, and I don't want to project things here, but, like, I do think it's, like, I kind of wish, again, that we had more time to explore the Leia Poe relationship. Mm-hmm. Because I do think it's interesting that, like, she's lost her son. And now she has this very clear, like, you know, I don't want to say that, like, she's becoming a mother to him by any means. But, like, that they, she may see a little bit of that same, like, because that line where she says, like, oh, he's such trouble. Don't you love him? Like, mm-hmm. you know, or you, I really like him. Yeah, me too. It it makes the scene with her and him at the beginning feel so different because it's now not, you know, I'm scolding you and you're terrible and I wish someone else were here. But it's, you know, I'm scolding you because I expect better of you because I know you can yeah. be better because I want you to be better. I mean, that, that's the read I got on it on, on, the, on the first like go through. Like she was she was very disappointed in him. Right. <laughs> like in that, that mom way where you're just like my soul. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I think like I I do. I don't know. I have no idea. But I would imagine that, like, Carrie Fisher's passing probably had something to do with not really fully exploring the relationship between Poe and Leia in, like, the, the, se- the third true, movie. Yeah. yeah. Which is, That's like, super unfortunate for more ways than one, obviously. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. it's something I always try to remember. Like, there's a lot of things about the third movie I don't like, but also, like, there's a lot of things I think it wanted to do but couldn't because Carrie Fisher passed. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Um, so I do want us to start wrapping up. We've gone on quite a while, but are there any other kind of last comments or thoughts that for any of you all or from the chat? Um, the last one I have is Sunny Tetris says, one thing that I heard complained about was when the movie came out that it felt like a slow speed police chase. Personally, I love the chase aspect of the movie. It reminded me of Battlestar Galactica. The intensity of being Oof. chased by a stronger power really gave the movie stakes and made it feel almost like a thriller. Yeah, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. I I totally agree, and like my my main familiarity with Battlestar Galactica is through the Battlestar Galactica board game. Really, I used to, I love that show. Game. It's such a good game. I I watched the show because I played the game. 
Um, but <laughs> well, that's why I was super excited about Starbuck, or I, I guess you guys call her Bo Katan. Yes, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, it's a but good the, point. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I, I think I was just gonna say it's it's yeah, it's a good point in that like that thriller, like the constant pressure of having the enemy looming. Like I don't know if any of you are familiar with It Follows, but I think oh, it's yes. that, oh. yeah, that same sort of energy of like. You can see the enemy. They're just walking very slowly towards you constantly. Yes. And it's just like, ah. After we saw and, that and movie, again, my husband, we came up with like a contingency plan and figured out how we'd be able to, to get away from it. It had Facebook and airplanes. Delightful. <laughs> yeah, you have to sit a group and everybody has to keep talking and you got to keep moving. And you got to keep housing the person <laughs> and keeping them moving. So as long as you all supported the one person who had it to live, you could keep going. Delightful. Yeah. yeah. Easy peasy. <laughs> I also like speaking of um, base being based on other movies. How like you know the um, first one, not Rise of Skywalker, Force Awakens. I remembered <laughs> um, was like very much an homage to um, New Hope, mm-hmm. and like we talked about how Last Jedi here is is more similar to Return of the Jedi, not Empire Strikes Back. Which I think is is yeah is great, especially because like. A weird little tidbit about like Empire Strikes Back is that like, um, oh no, other way around. Like yeah, Luke George Lucas got Steven Spielberg to like make the second Indiana Jones movie dark because he's like, this is how you do trilogies, and I think like not yeah. having that like dark middle arc in this trilogy is like a, a little refreshing, right? Because it's it's, yeah. it's I nice. Think this is dark. This is- it's a movie where everyone fails. For me, yeah. I this was much darker than Empire. Really? Yeah. I I don't know. I guess I just didn't see... I think it's like the idea of exploration of failure as like mm-hmm. failure is a natural part of life, failure is a teacher, yeah. kept it from being just like, yeah, so, so dark. And it's less like physically dark as well. Like, um, there's true. They come yeah. out of there very hopeful. Like, yeah. instead yeah. of it being like, oh, they, God, they I've lost a hand. What am I supposed to do? You know, everything's good. You know, heat my friends on ice. That's definitely yeah. true. Sorry, Vicky, what did you say? Well, I, I think that there's there's a contrast here. At the end of Empire, Luke's lost his hand. He's found out this devastating thing about his family. <laughs> Han Solo is frozen in carbonite. So the main characters themselves are at their lowest point. Mm-hmm. But the rebellion is still alive. Like nothing about that movie had really any impact on the rebellion. They lost their base on Hoth, but they were still out there. Whereas in at the end of this movie, Last Jedi, all of the characters, the main characters, are fine, and they they are together now. All, like some of them meeting for the first time. Yeah. But the the resistance itself is in shambles. Like this yeah. is all There's that's left. Them. Yeah, and they have to rebuild. And no one replied to the, the distress call. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of a contrast of those two. Yeah, I guess they're like, like Leia, your hashtag doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I, I have to say, that one moment hit me incredibly hard. And I don't know if this is at all what was intended or just what I was projecting on it. But, you know, that movie came out. And here I'm going to show, like, my own personal political beliefs. Um, but I have a sense that, that Ryan Johnson is kind of in a similar vein. You know, it was in the middle of the Trump administration. And as it, where, like, we'd been going through almost two years of, like, oh, Mueller's going to save us, or oh, this person's going to save us, or oh, this report from the FBI will save us, and just didn't work, didn't work, didn't, or, or, like, when this story comes out, people will realize how bad Trump is, or when this story comes out, people will realize how bad Trump is. And so 
that moment of them having that hope of if we get here and we put out the signal and we use Leia's code, everyone will come to our rescue. And it still didn't work. And they're mm-hmm. just still alone. It's both A, such a good moment, and why the moment where they do the exact same thing, but this time the whole fleet shows up in Rise of Skywalker rang so hollow to me. Because to me, it's like, this is such a good moment of like, you know, the the that book, you know, Waiting on Superman. Uh, mm. It's a book about education policy that I don't agree with, but 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 still the <laughs> idea of like that there's a real danger of telling yourself like someone will come and rescue us, you know, that no, yeah. you can't do it. We have this is enough to start the resistance. These 20 people on this one ship is I I such a, a powerful moment. Yeah, I didn't realize Waiting for Superman was a book. I thought it was just a documentary. Oh, I yeah, I think, it's, I, I think it's a book first, but I, I mean, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Matthew. You just have to have the sultry voice of Lando Calrissian on the air. I was and people will come. Say, yeah, <laughs> that, you were forgetting a variable. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is, you know, Billy D. Williams would convince an awful lot of people to do an awful lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> I, I also just want to go back one thing to when we're talking about the the, the chase scene. I think Ricky, you may you may have wanted to um, uh, jump in there as well. Um, but for me, the chase scene is one more of those scenes where. It is so good on the first watch, but then every time I watch it, it, <laughs> sure. it loses a bit because it's, yeah. you're right. The, the chase itself is so good and is so tense and is so brilliant. And then when you listen to like what they do plot wise to set up the chase. Ask no makes, questions. It about makes no the sense science. whatsoever. Wait, are we, yeah, we're we talking about like the, the horses or? No, the Star no, I mean, the, okay, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, it's space. So why would being bigger make you go so slower? Yeah. No questions. Yeah. Yeah. No you questions. can't. You can't think about the science. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. Well, I think we've had a, a, yeah. a great. Oh, no, Ricky, was there something else you wanted to say about that chase aspect? No, that was it. I was going to say, like, it, it is an emotionally gripping chase. Ask no questions yeah. about the science. <laughs> science. That's what I'm taking yeah. from this. I, I think that's that. You know, <laughs> apparently, it's. Ooh, I was going to say, apparently it's Billy D. Williams' birthday, having just oh. spoken about oh. him. Happy birthday. Good to know. Good to know. Life. Good time to be talking about yeah. it. Yeah. I did. I had like one other quick huh moment. And that was when Poe and uh, Ray introduced themselves to each other at the very end of the movie. And it's like, yeah, they haven't met. Yeah, that's so surprising. But me. we spent like two movies with these characters. That even even now, again, even though like, I knew it was coming, I still was like, what? Yeah. You you guys haven't met each other? Um, yeah. So it's just like, I like that they address it, that they don't just have them being like, oh, yes, hello. Yeah. It reminds them like, like we've been on separate sides of this this thing for a long time. Yeah. No, I, th- I think that's yeah. a yeah, great little moment. True. Well. It always makes me think about Marvel, like how, like, what, Black Widow never met Doctor Strange. Like, there's so many characters that just, like, never got to meet. Oh, yeah. 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 But we're also familiar with all of them. It's we're like, just wait, like... this doesn't make sense. But, oh, yeah, like, she didn't get to ever meet yeah. him. Yeah, that's <laughs> no, definitely true. Just expect you all to be, like, hanging out together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. having shawarma and yeah. stuff, you know, what do you exactly. guys do? Exactly. <laughs> Ooh, shawarma. I, I need to close this with a completely non, non-related all rant, but I just need to let the shame of Disney Plus be put on blast forever. I, I was Uh-oh. re-watching The Avengers, and you know how sometimes, like, Disney Plus will, or some of these things will, like, they'll let you see the credits, but they'll put it in, like, a small screen so they can advertise the next thing? They did that with Avengers mm-hmm. so that you can barely see the shawarma scene. Oh. Disney, you own this. But they let you skip directly to it. Do they? 
Like you can, there's a button. It's like, yeah, you just have to click skip credits. No, there's like a button and it's weirdly worded. And I clicked on it because I was like, is this going to take me to the end credit scene or is this going to skip the whole thing? So it's like, I just, I was bold (laughs) and I, and I skipped directly to it. But yeah, that's how you have to do it to see it big. Otherwise, yes, it is like picture in picture time, which is a tragedy. Since we're now at the bashing Disney for what they- Disney's UI needs some tweaking. (laughs) Big time. (laughs) Um, So thank you all so much. You've been awesome to our fans. Uh, What do you all think of Last Jedi? What, you know, what did you love? What did you not love? What do you think of the different themes and stuff that we talked about here today? Would love to hear from you. Uh, let us know what you think about the Disney Plus app. All of it. Uh, the best way to contact <laughs> us is um, the Ethical Panda at Facebook or on Twitter. Uh, you can also email us at theethicalpanda at gmail.com. Uh, and all that information can be found at theethicalpanda.com. Um, you can also find uh, more podcasts by both myself as well as a number of the other people who are on here um, by going to strandedpanda.com. Stranded Panda is a podcast network that uh, this podcast and my other podcasts are a part of. And on there, you can also find great podcasts about the MCU, Star Trek, uh, the Orville, uh, you know, DC. Uh, They just did a whole great thing on the uh, monster movies, uh, which I am so glad that they got me into that because they got me to watch Kong Skull Island. And I'm so mad because they made me watch Kong vs. Godzilla, which is God awful, but I know I'm in the minority. Boo, I loved it. <laughs> but Boo. anyway, all sorts of great podcasts there. Check them out. Let us know what you think. I Would love it. to hear your comments. Uh, and to Riki, Ashley, and Sarah, thank you all so much for being a part of this. And everybody, have a good day. Bye. May the force be with you. Riki, are you going to let the visitors watch? Kenobi. There we go. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>